You know, the way we view God is key to the successful Christian walk or the Christian journey as you heard Jesse talk about her parent and her father. And God loves us. And He wants us to be in relationship with Him no matter what we've done. God loves us. And the thought of God the Father can be very threatening to some people because we have allowed, allowed earth to define God. In other words, we have defined God from the earth up rather than heaven down. Did you hear me? We've defined God from the earth up rather than heaven down. And we've allowed our relationship here on earth to define who God is. And as a result, we have a distorted view of God. And with that distortion, it's difficult to have a real relationship with God. See, whatever comes to mind when you think of God is the most important thing about you. And when you think about God, what is your picture of God the Father? And the problem is, is because of this earth-up view that we have, we see distorted views of God. First of all, we can see God the Father as a puppet master, where you feel like He's only interested in your performance, and He has the strings of your life, and He's manipulating what you do, and and, and when you do well, God is pleased. And when you do wrong, God isn't pleased. And He's going to try to manipulate your behavior. And in the same light, you may see God as a tyrant. Where He's just fire and brimstone. And He's angry. And not only a manipulator, He's one that seeks revenge on you when you cross Him. There's a third view of God that's prevalent in this culture, and it's called a drifter. This is what the current generation of a fatherless generation sees God as. You may see God is not really in the picture. You know he's out there somewhere. Maybe he, was the, he, he put you out there and went off and left you. But yet God feels millions of miles away. And you don't know when he's going to show up or how he's going to show up or if he's going to show up. So you, you don't feel like you can depend on him. and You don't feel like you can trust God. You don't feel valuable. Or maybe another prevalent one in our culture is you see God as a relic. God is something held over from the past. It's this perception that God is irrelevant and that it's a way for the weak-minded people to find meaning in their lives and we want to place God on a shelf and maybe only bring him into our lives in emergencies. You know, Barner did a study and Barner is a respected research group that looks into the spiritual condition of our country and in 2013 they said 35% of Americans identified themselves as post-Christian, which means that they feel that 35% of the Americans have moved past needing a God. By 2015, just two years later, that number had grown to 44% of Americans had moved past God. And no telling what it is in 2017. And we wonder why things are happening the way they are in this world. Yet 
more than 44% of Americans have moved past God. See, you can try to place God on a shelf, but you can't move past it because there is a God-shaped hole in every human's heart that can't be filled by anything but God. And if you try to move past God, there's going to be a wrestling match. You can't move past Him because, folks, there's going to be that search for meaning in your life. And if it's not focused on God, you're going to be searching in all the wrong places and doing all the wrong things to fill that God-shaped hole. And you need to understand that only God can bring true meaning. So what do you think about God? Maybe you have one of those views of puppet master, a tyrant, a drifter, or a relic. But most of all, you need to come away today knowing that God is sovereign. God is in control and he knows what's going on. God knew that we would struggle. So when Jesus was on earth, he was on a mission, a mission to go to the cross. But Jesus was also on a mission to show us the Father. And in that we can only see the Father, see God through Jesus. And Jesus is always telling us about the Father and about his love because he wanted us to know how much God loves us. And because of those distortions, see, we get Satan throwing up all kinds of confusing things for us about who God is and what God does and what he wants. But the good news is if we could change our perspective of who the Father is and get rid of those distortions, if we could see him clearly, then we could leave here today with a dynamic relationship with Jesus and the Father. No matter what's going on with our earthly fathers or our earthly relationships, you can leave here today with a relationship with God intact. See, if you look at the 15th chapter of Luke, it is a great help in getting a perspective on God because you have three parables there that talk about God the Father. You have the, the parable of the lost sheep where, where he'll go out and look for the one, leave the 99 to find that one lost child. Or you have the lost coin where the father is always thinking about us, always searching and celebrating when he finds that lost coin. And lastly, you have the lost son. It's the story of a father waiting desperately for his son. And after the, the son leaves the father, we know from the story, and the prodigal son goes out and blows all his inheritance on wild living. And after his journey is an ultimate failure we see him returning to the father disgraced and humiliated but we find a father who still wants that relationship with that lost son see in this parable there are four pictures Jesus gives us of God see if you ever want a clearer picture of God look no farther than the prodigal son as Jesus tells this story to a Jewish audience, and being a Jewish audience, it has a lot more meaning than it does for you and me. See, what we see happening here is 
the son asks for all his inheritance, all his money. And when he does that, he's basically saying to the father, I wish you were dead. So the father says yes to the son for this unconventional and horrible request. But we might say, why did he say yes? Well, first of all, the reason he said yes is because God loves us relationally. God loves us relationally. See, the father wasn't going to force the son to stay. Just like God doesn't try to control us and make choices for us. That father knew it was best for his son to leave. He knew that the only way he could ever have a relationship with that son was to let him go. Even though the father knew the pain that was coming that son's way because of the decisions he made. And isn't it unusual for kids to get frustrated with their parents and our decisions? I mean, how many parents, and I'm, I was at a birthday party for Ryder yesterday, uh, fix, and I'm looking at all these little kids around and looking at these parents and being a grandparent, you can just sit back and say, I know what's coming. And I know well, this par- these parents are going to say, but dad, but mom, she's the love of my life. She's the one. I want to date her. How'd you meet her? Facebook a week ago. She lives in Timbuktu or they already hate the parent because you took their phone away because they're only on it 15 hours a day and not realizing that parents want what's best for their kids but also parents want relationships with their kids and they love their kids just like our heavenly father loves us realize that you can always trust God's motivation his motivation is relationship with us and he's going to let us go ahead through the process of free will and choose to do things in our life just like the prodigal son did but be there when we crash and burn to be in relationship with us because the father will never leave us and when the father does seem like he's left us remember we're the ones that have walked away and left God So we see in Luke 15 that the son's leaving saying, Dad, I want you dead. And by verse 20, he's returning to be one of his father's servants and knowing that they have it better than he did in the far country as a slave. And his father sees him and he runs to him. And one of the reasons he runs to his son is that the son committed a mortal sin by demanding his inheritance and the community The friends and neighbors had every right to stone that boy for what he'd done to his father. So the father runs out to just cover him up to protect him from the punishment that was awaiting him. That's how much the father loved him. He didn't want his son to be stoned. He didn't want one word said against him. He came to protect his son because now he and his son could have a relationship. And that's what God did. God sent his son. Jesus took the punishment that we deserve so that we could come back in relationship with God. Romans 5, 8 says, And God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. 
God proved his love for us, enables us to live without condemnation. So we can live without fear or regrets of yesterday and move into our future no matter what we have done. And also walk with the confidence. In the latter part of verse 21, the father says to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his fingers and sandals for his feet. The father lavished gifts on him. So we see that there was also God gave sacrificially to his son. Sacrificially. But also we see that there is an extravagant love. God loves us more than you and I could ever imagine. And these gifts the father gave the son were so important. These were legacy gifts. The most precious thing the father had to give to his son. Hey, my mother was great at gift giving. I remember on Easter, she had such a dilemma because the one thing I wanted for Easter was a man from Uncle Gun just like Napoleon Solo carried in the TV show. And by golly, she got me a gun on Easter for a gift. And that's a Baptist deacon's wife too, so that was pretty good. But there are legacy gifts that parents leave their children. I've been around this church for over 30 years, and, and, and I've seen parents hand legacies to their kids. I've seen a love for the land where suddenly the the father's a, a farmer and the daughter and son are a farmer. I've seen a, a love for basketball and sports and a love for, I don't understand why, for Purdue and IU. You know, where they just, and their kids are genetically bred to go to Purdue or IU. Or it's a fascination and love of cars or trucks or tractors where a lot of you guys have the little collectible tractors that are there on the walls of your, of your family room. Or it can be sewing and cooking. I think about the, the legacy my grandfather left. I brought it with me. Oh, it smells so good up here. A love of horses. <laughs> Didn't it smell good up here, Doris? Yes. Horse sweat or something about it, yeah. But that's something my grandfather passed on to me that in my uh, years of life, 63 years, I have seldom been without a horse in my life. It's a legacy. And what we see happening here is the father is given a legacy to his son. And it basically is the robe that represents the protection that he's putting around his son to protect him from his neighbors. But it's the same love that God surrounds us with, that guards us. He also gave him a ring. See, a ring was like having power of attorney. It, if you wore the ring, you carried the authority of the Father. See, and a lot of you guys are are passing on these, these legacy gifts. So now the father gives his son a ring and he had his name back, his father's name, and he put sandals on his feet because barefootedness was a sign of slavery and, and servants so they couldn't run away or escape. So here the son comes back wanting to be a servant and ends up getting a robe and a ring and shoes and it all showed that there was restoration between him and his father. Father saying, you're not 
a slave. You're not a servant. You're my son. Passing his legacy back to his son. On this Father's Day 2017, parents, grandparents, what legacy gift are you giving your children? I don't mean just the love of the land or love of Purdue or IU or sports. I'm talking about a love for the Lord. I'm talking what legacy gift are you leaving for a love of God's people? A love of His Word, His Bible, or love of His church? These are gifts that are greater than money or wealth. That is why that God tells us, go all in. See, so often we're just trying to survive in our spiritual walk But God doesn't want us to just survive. God wants us to thrive. I challenge you to increase the expectation of what God has for you and your family. I challenge you to leave a heritage. Not just the heritage of a legacy like a saddle or a basketball or a letter jacket or a plow or seeds. But I'm talking about a godly heritage. And if you don't have kids, look for other people around you whose lives you can affect. Look for those people that you connect with on a, on a weekly, daily basis out in the community to make a difference in their life. To volunteer at church. To be a part. As we come here this Father Day, I challenge you, I challenge you to give the legacy gift of faith. Let us pray. Lord, as we gather here today, we thank you for the fathers. We thank you for the ministry of Joel and Jesse. And we pray that you will be with us all. And we thank you that they are carrying a legacy of their dads and the the passion for Christ and for missions that was planted in their heart. May we be people that are always passing on and planning that Christian legacy. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.